Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Gwintelligence Podcast. I'm Padres Jagoff, and we are joined in his big Gwintelligence debut chat on Twitter as at the Chomner. It's, uh, it's the Chamner, actually. Uh, okay. But I'll let that one slide for this one. But, uh, yeah, good to be here. We are, uh, first time. yeah, we're re- recording live at Ruler Brewing. That's how you pronounce it? I guess, yeah. And we have a special guest today. It's uh, Jeff Dotson. Hi, boys. A real celebrity. Radio, radio <laughs> Is that right? Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah. I should be. I was the curator of the Radio Hall of Fame, and so I immediately barred myself from getting in. But I'm the guy that... Uh, that sells tickets at the front door. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, thanks for coming here. Sure, I love Padre baseball. You guys know that. Yeah. Well, and now we're all colleagues, right? You know what? I I openly embrace it. I think it's great. I wish it had been around for twenty to thirty years. I think there are plenty of people that work in radio that look down at that, and I don't know why they do. I think anybody that has an opinion about that team. There's so few of us in that tribe that we should welcome everybody in, whether it's a blogger or a podcaster. I think it's wonderful, and I think there's people that feel like because you didn't go to Palomar College for two years, nobody wants to listen to you. I, I couldn't disagree more. I love it because I'm, I'm truly a diehard fan of that team. I don't have any idea why I am, but as Bob Costa said, a team will get in your blood. He said at 12, for me it was 14 with Timmy Lawler and, and Gene, Sal- uh, uh, God, Louis Salazar and the rest of them. But, but I love that team and I get a big kick out of all our different opinions. None of us are right, but, but we're all passionate. We're, we say with conviction, so what the hell do we know? Yeah, I mean, I always say that, uh, I'm raising my three-year-old daughter as a Padres fan. Nice! So that she can grow up, uh, understanding disappointment. Yes! Managing expectations. <laughs> yes! And that life is cruel and unhappy, Yes! Right? I think it's great. We can't determine what color uniforms we want. No. That's how, that's how screwed up our team is. Every other team in baseball is just like, we have a color scheme and here we go, let's move forward. And they go, yeah, of course, it's done. The Las Vegas Golden Knights just came into the NHL. They had no trouble. They're like, well, we'll be black and gray, white and gold. And they go, okay, we're done. Let's move forward. And the Padres are like, are we pinstripe? Are we blue? Are we brown? Are we orange? Are we yellow? Where are we? Yeah, and that should tell you all you need to know about this organization and why we love it. It's really an intro to bureaucracy. Really. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, the government. they're the Clippers of baseball, and it's no shock that both teams were here in San Diego at one time. We are the worst. Yeah. Um, very inspiring chat. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great already. Yeah, but they're good. They're our team, right? I mean, we don't need to be told the baby's ugly. We know the baby's <laughs> ugly, but there are ugly three-toed baby. We'll take them everywhere. So I'm personally excited to have you because you, A, A, you're on the radio forever. You know all all kinds of stories. But B, and more importantly, you are an Encinitas long time. I am. And so I I grew up in La Costa Encinitas right on the border. I went to probably the same junior high school as you. Yeah. Um, we had some of the same teachers even, I think. I think we've discussed Coach Cannon. Oh, my God. The greatest P.S. <laughs> the catfish. Did you ever have health classes? I did not. He uh, he was our football coach, and he loved having guys run the crab along the, the width of the football field. One more time. And if anybody said, uh, ah, what was that? 50 up and downs. But he was a guy that I didn't. All those coaches at San Diego, I, luckily by about 11th grade, I really understood what an impact they were on me because the teachers were a joke. 
the counselors were a joke. The principal was a joke. Here's my San Diego High School story. I think you went to, did you go to LCC? Okay, San Diego Academy, this is a true story. About four years ago, Clear Channel went through a complete overhaul of all the studios. So I went to one of our engineers. I said, look, I would like to do something cool for San Diego. Not quite what Eddie Vedder did, building the new arts building, but I said, I'd like to do something. I said, I'd like to bring back the radio program. Can we donate the equipment? My engineer said, we'll do it one better. We not only will donate the equipment, but we'll go up and set it up at San Diego. I said, great, because I can get me and Palais and obviously Costa, Hartman, Judd, but I said I can get Jagger and Christie and Jeff and Jer and DSC and anybody else. Ben Higgins would be all over there. Well, he's a Tory guy. We're not going to let him on the campus. But I'd probably let Elston in. And uh, Ello and all these different guys. Ted. Guys I have 20 years of working relationship with will come up and spend an hour. And I called San Diego. I said, we have all this. All we need is an open room where we can set it up. I said, I'll run it. No, free of charge. I'm just giving it back to you. And the principal said, yeah, I'll call you back. Two weeks go by. I called him back. I go, dude, I got to move because they're throwing... No problem. I'll get back to you. He never got back to me. Not San Diego. That's why radio's dying, and that's why San Diego sucks. Yeah. And it's shocked that I'm never asked to come back for career day. You know what? I'm going to go and offer to build a contest. Yeah, well, you could. Yeah, they might. Well, now, I never went to LCC, so I don't want to put LCC under that umbrella. This was strictly the academy. But it was incredibly frustrating because I thought there were probably a lot of kids in Cardiff and Encinitas that were like me that didn't necessarily want to go to college but may have something that they wanted to do. And I felt like I could show them, dude, I was a 1-9 student here every day, just hanging out, living life, loving life, and it worked out okay. And the academy was like, eh, I don't think so. And I feel bad for the parents, I feel bad for the kids because I think it would have been a lot of fun. At no cost to the academy. Again, I want to emphasize, zero cost to San Diego Academy. And they said no. So if you're a parent there, call the academy and say, what did you do? Uh, my Coach Cannon story is, uh, I had a health class. Oh, God. He, uh, he pulled out a bottle of spermicide on his phone. He did not. And he started <laughs> and he said, uh, he started rubbing it all over his arms and his hands. God. And he's like, uh... Listen, kids, not only does spermicidal thumb kill sperm and help prevent teenage pregnancy, it's also a great moisturizer that me and my he wife did. regularly use. He did not. He did do oh this. <laughs> Keeping in mind this is a summer school health class, but still health class. <laughs> He, he was, he's an imposing guy, full mustache and beard, a voice that, yes, that is like sandpaper, and to hear that speech, that would probably scar me for a while. I can understand where Padres Jagoff comes from. It's all John Cannon's fault. <laughs> um, so... I also am excited to talk to you because you have, don't really have an interest in returning to the media. Correct. Right? And usually when we talk to people, like we've had uh, Matt Hacksaw as a guest. How was that? You, you, you know, I uh, we met him at the mall in Escondido. Yeah. And he, he just ate uh, fish sticks the whole time. <laughs> Stop he, it. He ordered fried fish at a bowling alley that we did it at. And uh, ate fish. And then huh. I would try. I did, I've kind of heard some more interviews with him since then. But yeah. If you give him a compliment, he'll talk for 20 minutes of like how he created his empire. And yeah. Like so it ended up being a two-hour podcast. 
he's okay, but he's, yeah. never, he's never not in character. Correct. Like, I would like to just talk to, to Paul Mann. Yeah. Right? Paul Mahan, yeah. And hear stories, you know, just like in About how he backstabbed 90% of the people in San Diego media. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I, I've always been on Team Paxton, but I'm, yeah. a, I'm only a consumer of the product. Sure. Like, yeah, sure. I grew up with Paxton. As we all were, right. until he started going out of his way to backstab people that, that had been on Team Hacksaw. One of the most insecure people you'll ever meet in your life and a guy that absolutely watch your wallet. They offered me... I was doing the morning show at 1090 with Dave Palite. 2012. And miserable situation because we had to go in and replace Scott and Billy Ray who were actually working to get us in to replace Hacksaw. So when I go to meet with the general manager... I believe I'm being told that I'm taking over Lee's show, which would have been fine, because it would have been Scott and Billy Ray into me and Dave into Darren. And we felt like for us it would have been an insanely easy situation to bridge two iconic shows on that station and finally be on the big stick. When we walk into that meeting and they ask us, when are you ready to go? I said, we're ready. He goes, great, because I'm firing Scott Kaplan today. And then they said, and you can't do anything controversial because we're afraid every minute that we're going to get sued. So now we have to go in and be like Hardy Boys Radio, which people lost their mind. Well, slowly we start to build a little momentum. We find out that Scott and Billy Ray are coming back in the afternoon. We're getting Rome. We're excited. Dave and I had signed a contract with uh, Fox Sports San Diego. They were going to simulcast 45 minutes like that. That garbage. Absolute garbage that they do at night. So we had signed this deal on Tuesday. I'm driving home on Friday in a weasel by the name of Mike Shepard, who's the program director, who told me every day how much he hated Lee Hamilton. Waits until I leave the building. Doesn't say anything to me. Calls me an hour later says, I need you to come back. I go, I'm not coming back. Oh, okay. Puts me on a conference call with the GM, and he said, uh, look, we're making some changes. And I go, okay, am I out? He said, no, you're you're in. And I said, okay. He goes, Scott and Billy Ray are coming back. They're going in afternoons. I said, okay, great. He goes, Rome's coming back. But he said, Palais is out. I go, Palais is out? What happened? Oh, we're making changes. So at that immediate moment, my first thought is, they're bringing Darren Smith to the mornings. And it's going to be me and Darren with Marty producing, which I would have done. I would have done that. Dave understands that I would have done that. I've said this over and over again. So I said, I assume Darren's coming to the mornings. No, we're going to keep Darren in middays. Now, Josh and Sherrod are out, two buddies of mine. Dave's out. I know this. So I said, well, who are you putting with me in the mornings? Hacksaw. <laughs> and I said, you got to be out of your mind. And Mike Shepard, who told me every day for 10 months how he wanted to fire Lee Hamilton, had the audacity to say on this conference call, I'm really excited about the the chemistry between you two. And I told him, you can F off right then. I, go, you're a, I said, you're a goddamn liar. I said, Mike, you're a goddamn liar. And I took, uh, I hung up the phone and I called my wife. I said, I got to quit. I had a mortgage. I had two kids that were five years old. Um, and she said, what? And I said, I got to quit. I can't work with this guy. I can't trust him. I've known him 20 years. I was a hacksaw guy. And then I saw what he was. And uh, he's also terrible with other people. And like we got, yes. we got to look at that when they did Hacksaw and Friends and they were bringing... Because they were convinced that I was going to stay and do that show. They didn't have a plan B. Yes. They were convinced I was staying. 
And I said, there's absolutely no chance. Now, the, the way that story ends is they continue to call me, and a good friend named David Zarati, who you hear as the voice of Bob Baker commercials, says, let's go to lunch with the GM, a guy named Norm Foyer. I go to lunch with Norm. Norm says to me, what's your deal with Hacksaw? I said, I can't trust him. He said, do it for 30 days. And I'm telling you guys, uh, David Zarati was sitting right next to me. Hacksaw can tell you what he wants. This is how it happened. Do it for 30 days. Give it your sincere effort. If it genuinely is as bad as you think it'll be, then I'm firely and you can bring in anybody you want. It just won't be polite. I said, okay, will you put that in writing? He said, yeah, absolutely. I'll put it in writing. I said, great. He said, understand, since you've left, I've had Bob Scanlon and Vincey Glenn and others doing fill-in shows. I said, I understand. Do what you got to do. He goes, great. He goes, hey, I just had a crazy idea. Uh, do you want to do one of these fill-in shows? And I go, no. And he goes, how come? I said, I'm not going to fill in on my own show. You're here buying me lunch to bring me back. Why am I auditioning for my own show? To which he says, whoa, okay, okay. I'm just bringing it up. I said, do me one favor. I said, when we sign this deal, I will report to Mike Shepard. But I said, I don't trust him. So while we're negotiating, keep it you and me. He goes, absolutely, you got it. I go home and tell my wife I'm going back to 1090. She goes, great. The next day, my phone rings. Then it's that weasel Shepard. Hey, buddy. And I go, God damn it. I lose my mind. Which anybody who knows me is like, shocker. And he said, uh, Norm said he had a great lunch yesterday. And I'm like, you got to be goddamn kidding me. And I go, yeah. And he said, uh, Norm said you're ready to go for a filming show. And I was so close to taking my iPhone, which I just had, and chucking it across Aztec Park in La Mesa. And I said, no, I didn't. I go, I'm not auditioning for my own show. Mike Shepard said, well, okay, I got to call you back. I go, great. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. And he calls me back. He says, Norm heard what he heard. I said, great. Let me tell you something, Mike. Do you know what 14 to nothing represents? And he goes, no. I said, 14 represents how many times you've called me asking to come back and save that. Can I cuss? I said, come back and save that horse shit show. I said, zero is how many times I've called you asking to work with that dickhead hacksaw. Don't ever call me again. You go your way, I'll go my way. And that's how they ended up with, the way they ended up with J.D. Hayworth and they end up with Dan Cilio is their consultant is a guy named Gabe Hobbs. Gabe Hobbs comes out of Tampa. Gabe Hobbs is a consultant, but he's also a radio agent. Take two guesses as to who his, two of his clients are. I think I got an idea. Yeah. So they're like, well, who do we know? Well, let's bring in J.D. Hayworth, who knows nothing, but we'll call everybody nicknames. Look, man, I love Darren, Scott, Billy Ray, Caruth, all those guys. I don't know Cilio. Tatino and I have been friends for 30 years. Uh, I don't like Shep. Glickenhouse is great. Johnny Browner is great. Yeah, all those guys. I wish him nothing, believe me. I, and just to wrap it up, this is what I tell people. I was so mad, frustrated, the day I walked out of there, but a week later was Sandy Hook. My sons were in kindergarten at that time. I was like, dude, good luck to 1090. I'll be fine. And whatever it's been, five years later, we're all okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'll try to keep the story short. Uh, short. No, I love the story. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never heard 
never understood why everyone running a radio station in San Diego doesn't know what they're doing. None of them do. So last year, I wrote I wrote some really long pieces about uh, Rich Herrera. <laughs> Another guy who sucks. Yeah, yeah. I wrote some really. I guess they got passed around the radio industry a lot. Like, nice. I yeah. A lot of messages about it. Yeah, he's horseshit. Uh, yeah, he's off. The program director at 949 seems awful. Everyone Callahan? Yeah. Yeah, Callahan. I drew a picture of him with a dunce cap. I'll yeah. I guess that got published. Yeah. Uh, like, how, how are these executives, highly paid executives, so yeah. out of touch with what Terrified. they want? Like, I'm in the demographic they want, right? Yeah, I'm correct. Under, I'm going out 36, so yeah. I'm just out of the demo. No, you're still there. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 It, it's 25 to 54. Men 25, 54. You guys are right in the wheelhouse. Okay. They, because none of them are baseball fans. None of them are... Mike Shepard's not a sports fan. Brian Longer runs 1360 is from Kansas City slash L.A. So he cheers for the Kansas City Chiefs, loves the L.A. Dodgers, loves the L.A. Lakers. He has no connection at all to Padre baseball. Kevin Callahan is a music guy, knows nothing about baseball or sports radio. There is no chance that you would bring any one of the three of us in here with no experience to try to run this brewery but they do it consistently, and that's why radio's dying. Do we even know what 94.9 is like, planning to do? Like, are they converting to sports full-time? I don't. I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, the guy who runs it is a guy named Bob Bollinger. Bob hired me at KFMB. When Bob hired me at KFMB, when I went there in 95, he wanted... This is very funny when you think about Rich Herrera. He wanted a network-level pre- and post-game show. So, again, this is before social media and ESPN News. So we did a show that was 45 minutes going in and 45 minutes coming out. We had a guy in Chicago that provided his highlights, and we would do in-game breaks, which you hear now, but in 95, nobody had ever heard it. And we were doing that, and Bob set a very high bar, and we set out every day to, to match it. He was great. Then we went to KFMB, and, and Bob hired us, hired me back at 1360, and it was the same feeling in regards to Charger football. Bob Bollinger, who's the main guy, is a diehard sports fan. I have no idea why he has let that product be that bad. I have no idea why a guy as liked as he is, as smart as he is, would let Herrera on the air for three days. It's such a disappointment. And look, it's not just about me. I went for that job, but so did my boy Steve Woods. Johnny Gennaro. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I love Gennaro. I don't know that John would be a guy right now that would be day in, day out as a pregame host. It's a, it's a big responsibility. It's a, it's a big burden to carry. But the, yes, and, and my final point was going to be, but there should have been a spot for John because he loves the product and he's in, and he's really, really radio smart. It, it's Marty Caswell may not belong on the air, but it's what I used to tell guys that work with us is when Jimmy Johnson wins a race, there are guys that change tires. There are guys that put gas in. There are guys that are giving him direction in the ear. Everybody plays a part in that victory. There's one guy driving. I've always felt like Marty's role is as important, if not more important, than what Darren does. I always felt that what John what John or Craig or any of these guys do is as important as that. But they just they've thrown in the towel. And for somebody that loves Padre baseball, the idea that you're playing uh, alternative up to three minutes before and then 
pounding us over the head with the mission bells and all that. It's terrible. They should be embarrassed. So, how much influence do the Padres have in that situation? It's a great question. In the in when we started, Lucina was very involved. When I started as a producer, I felt like I was not only answering to my bosses at KFMB, but I also felt like I wanted to do something that Larry would like. Um, that John would like, but I, I had a connection with um, with Larry. Um, it's funny, Theo Epstein, we talked about, was in media relations. Glenn Geffner, who's the radio voice of the Marlins, was the other media relations guy. John Dever from the PGA Tour. We had a really good group. Mike D was here. Charles Steinberg, who was brilliant. And they all worked so well with us to help us, uh, not to mention Boach and Kevin Towers and Tony Gwynn. Trevor Hoffman, Andy Ashby, Kevin Brown, Cam and Eddie. It was unbelievable the resources we had as young guys coming in because they knew that they could trust us. And Dave and I took that very, very serious. There was no looking for the gotcha TMZ moment, um, which has changed. I think that's the other thing. When you look at it today, you can't get to Preller. You could get to Kevin Towers every day. Some of it may be off the record, but at least he wasn't going to let you go on the air and make it an idiot of yourself. Boach, I would sit with every, almost every home game. And you would go in Boach's office, and he would get a big David Sunflower Seed bucket full of Coors Lights. And you would sit in there, and he would just hand you a beer, and he would yell, God damn, can Scott Sanders throw a goddamn strike? Scott Sanders' locker's right outside. And Tony Gwynn laid out laughing. They let me sit in there. I'm sitting there having a beer, and Kevin Towers comes in and tells him, hey, I just traded Alan Embry. I mean, there's, you think I have any chance, any of us have any chance of being there? When Preller comes in and tells Andy Green the trade was just made, completely different time. But we were lucky in the fact that as young guys, we understood it, call it the code. We knew the code, and we knew that if we played the game right, it would benefit us, and I feel like it did. So do you think that's more of like the front office being afraid of the media, or just a difference? Unfortunately, it's, it goes back to what we said earlier. While I personally love the blogs and the podcast and social media, social media has also killed that. So it's a little bit of uh, video killed the radio star. In a 24-hour news cycle, um, there's always people looking for that edge, and they're just not going to take any chances anymore. There's, I think, for the most part, San Diego media, for the guys I know, um, there's not going to be a gotcha moment with Darren. Nick and Judd aren't going to look for a gotcha moment. Um, I, I don't know. I can't speak for really the rest of the shows because they might. They might. And and if you're just the Padres, you're just not going to take a chance. Well, so what I was going to ask is, uh, how much, well, I guess you kind of answered it on how much power they have when they grant out, let's say, a media yeah. production. Yeah, big. Yeah, and I've written a lot about how Wayne Partello specifically uh, he, he likes this controlled message. Okay. And in your day, when you're in, you know, when you were working at, 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 at 1090. Yeah, 1360. The, the, the one. Padres were a partner at 1090. Oh, 1090. Yeah. Breaking news. They would they would sometimes feed it to 1090 so that they could break the story. Much better than the Chargers. The Chargers yeah. were oh, terrible. They're, they're, they're jackals, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Except now their guy works for the Padres. So, so. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, a, a great story along those lines. Again, we were saying before social media and cell phones, we would, every year at spring training, go take Boach to Padre Murphy's and just pound beers and bet dogs. Boach and I love the dogs. And we're sitting there, and we're drinking beers, and you know what? We're making sure every we got cabs, we can all afford it. And Boach has had a few beers, and he says to me, he goes, God damn, it's going to be fun to have Ricky back, huh? And I go, what? And he goes, what? And I go, what'd you just say? And he goes, what'd you think I just... I mean, it was, like a, it was like a scene out of a movie. And I said, did you say Ricky's just coming back? He goes, shit. And uh, I go, can I go with that tomorrow? He goes, yeah. He goes, what are they going to do, fire me? He goes, yeah, just don't put it, put it on me. But that's how it was. Like I said, being in there when the Embry trade went down. Just little things. Being there when Boat says it. Because they trusted you. I like Partello a lot. I don't know how his role has changed with Mike leaving. Um, and I think Bill Johnston coming in will be great. Because I think Bill is really well liked by the San Diego media. And I hope Bill looks at it and says, look, it's okay to loosen the reins a little bit here. We're the only game in town. We should have full access. We should be putting these guys out. We should be doing it. But we'll end up seeing. I, I understand why Wayne would want to control the message. But, uh, but I don't think Wayne's as bad as maybe other guys around the league could be. So, John Gennaro told me when I had him on as a guest. Yeah. I, I asked him, at what point will blogs, podcasts get recognized by the Padres? Some teams crank, grant credentials, the national yeah. credentials to bloggers, the angels are granted bloggers. And what he told me was that um, the team views it as uh, I have nothing to lose. Right? Mm-hmm. If I publish something, there's no consequence to me. Yeah. And so that's dangerous to them. And that's why Wayne Partello has denied our interview request 27 times. Interesting. I mean, at the same time, I also organized Fire Mike D. Yeah, that was fine, though. That worked out well. Yeah, that happened. It was good fun, yeah. Yeah, his, his, his friend. But still, Mike was overmatching that. Mike thought he was a baseball guy. He's not. He's the guy who sold the Glidden paint can at Qualcomm. Yeah. Know what you don't know, and what you don't know is baseball operations. Yeah, you didn't know business operations either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's is that story ever going to come out why he was well, fired? Oh, next question. Why, why has the story not come out? Because the Union Tribune is scared of their own shadow. There's no two more overrated guys in this town than Mark Ziegler and Kevin Acey. Mark Ziegler is a joke. I don't know why we talk about Ziegler like he's some kind of golden child. And and Acey is a man... He, he's Tom Hanks, and he his his Wilson was the NFL. I mean, he cares about getting his invites to the holiday parties, right? He wants access. He, wants- <laughs> he might, yeah. I don't... I, but it... I just I look at the paper, and there's no competition. Now, I think Dennis Lynn, personally, has done a really good job the last month. Why did Posner silence the story? I mean, oh, wait, well, hang on. Right? Yeah, coming back to Mike D., it's very funny. They're the same paper. We're the same media town. What What have you seen about Marshall Falk in the last week? Nothing. What have you What you see when Junior Seau drove his car over the cliff in Oceanside? Mike D. Because Jay Posner is is a guy who hides from controversy. I've gotten into it with Posner because when Kevin Acey wrote that bullshit column about two months ago about Joe Sy. And the idea that Joe Sy would build an arena and might well, bring a new one. It's back. <clears throat> you didn't read the paper this morning. Well, I did. Oh, but okay. at least today they didn't do what Kevin did the last time, which was imply 
that the Nets were coming to town. And I said to Posner, when you had your horseshit media column, if I had gone on the air with that, you would have lit me up the next day. But AC, you allowed to write that on the front page. I go, well, that's not a goddamn double standard? And he said, well, you know, he, he pointed out it's a long shot. Bullshit. Oh, you mean he used his classic method of uh, doing the, uh, the old, uh, this thing is definitely not going to happen, but now here's 15 reasons why it will happen. Yeah, so they're not when, coming. So that when people question him, and they're like, uh, hey, Kevin, uh, stop building up false hope for... Yeah, Absolutely. Kevin Acey's response is always, didn't you read the column? I said it's not going to happen. Yeah. Except three-fourths of the column. Is- yeah, and I don't have, look, I don't have any axe to grind with AC, but I, I look at it more as a consumer. I don't look at it as a peer. I go, you suck. Right. There's- I think he sucks. Yeah, now when he wrote the NFL, read how many columns AC writes where there's not I and me and I and me. And if you can find more than two in a month, frame them. Yeah. But then look, go back and look at Nick. Go back and look at Tim Sullivan, Mark Creedler, uh, any of the guys that wrote columns before that, and see. Find me one column where they talked I and me in the same thing, made it about them, and I'll frame those too. I, I just think I think the problem is Ziegler should be out. I don't have any respect for Ziegler. I think he's a loudmouth, and I think he's I think he has a much higher opinion of himself than anybody else. Nobody cares that you know everything to know about the World Cup. Nobody cares. We're, and 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 unfortunately for Kev, I thought Kev was really strong in the NFL. I thought he was really good. I thought he worked hard on that beat. I thought he was really good. And, and kind of like I was saying, he's, he's DiCaprio, man. The NFL is on the door. And the Chargers are on the door, and he just—he's going down. Look, he's got a—he's got kids and a mortgage, but—but but it's all garbage. But coming back to Mike D, why write that? Why write? Well, I'm just telling you what Jake. I mean, it's a great question. Does the Padres need the Union Tribune at this point? Yes. Yes. What are they going to do? Pull Dennis Lynn's media credential? No, I—I think they need it because you—you still need people to feel like you're relevant in a town when you're pointing out. Shaquin and you're throwing out Perdomo and you're throwing out all these guys that are going out there every day. Isn't it unbelievable? uh, Chargers all the day. Run the report card every day. I was here when the Clippers left. I was one. My Clippers story is at San Diego. I wrote to the Clippers. I got a photo credential in 10th grade. I took it home. My buddy was like, I'm in uh, graphics class. I can make copies of that. He made 200 copies of the same photo pass six of us went to every clipper game for the rest of the year with the same photo pass that said october 23rd the guards never looked none of us had a camera it said photo in big bold print but when the clippers left we were devastated and i cut the cord with the clippers i have no i'm not a charger fan because i know how that organization runs but i have so much recent respect and i understand the pain for people that love that team i didn't get it before but i get it now I don't have any idea why they do that to this. I don't know why they do it to this town. Their claim is, and I love Canapa, we go round and round. He claims that people click. They click on the story. They want to read the story. I just think as far as what you were just saying, Chad, put it in the back, man. What I would like to see is, and maybe not right now, but as we get closer to the spring, tell me every day what Tatis is doing, what Mackenzie Gore is doing, what Quantrill's doing, what Lauer's doing, because those guys, not Joe Sy and Lacrosse, not unfortunately the Gulls, those guys are the future of San Diego sports. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. They take all the clicks away from the bloggers like us. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of clicks that they can just get. Well, I think, though, what we've noticed on our podcast is when I tune in the other day, I have a, an hour lunch break. When I am out driving around, and, and I love Darren, but when Darren's interviewing Herm Edwards, I couldn't care less about Arizona State football. So I'm gone. When I go and check in on 1360, which I can't hear in North County, and Mark Willard says, hey, coming up, one of us thinks the Kansas City game's an elimination game, the other doesn't. Fucking gone. I'll never see you again. And then I end up going to 710. We're, we're a baseball town. We are a baseball town, and we should embrace it. And now, every day, and look, I don't know. I don't get to hear all three hours. Our approach to the radio show was... Hit them with the main story in hour one. You can bring it back in hour three. Do something different in hour two. The approach that I feel like on these local shows is take what we would have done at the bottom of hour two and lead with it. Nobody cares. Herm Edwards is a nobody, but because I mean not a nobody, but in San Diego radio, he's a nobody right now. He's a nobody, and they go to him over and over. Now, in fairness to Darren, I would have loved to hear Lee Jenkins today. I love Daniel Jeremiah when he talks Padres because it's just funny. He's like us. He doesn't know anything. He's just a fan and he's passionate. I like that. Lead with that. Don't bury these guys at 2.30, but the hell do I know? I'm sitting here drinking beers with you guys. So, you know why Mike D got fired, right? I mean, without without going into it, like, you know, right? I know. I, I'm looking at uh, a dossier that Marvin and I created with all, everything we collected I, I would say this. We're the only ones that have gone public with part of the reason. Yeah, I think I think what we have learned recently, and I think Brian Ross from ABC is a great example of this. You need to have two sources to every story. For for I'm just speaking from I'm but I'm speaking for myself and our our podcast. I don't have anything to hide on our podcast. I don't hide it. I don't feel like the source that I heard, my one source was even strong enough where I would go with it. But I would listen. If you guys say, look, I have five sources, there's rumblings. I had ethical issues with half. He's got a family. He's got kids. I don't care. So does Mel Hour. So does everybody else. Yeah. Inappropriate. It's inappropriate. So there's that part of why he got fired, which we've never talked about. And then we talked about the financial improprieties part of it, which we were very comfortable with. See, that I like. And that, I'm telling you guys the truth. I have nothing to hide. I say it every night. That I don't know anything about. Come read the dossier. Oh, hell yeah. Email that to me tonight. And I'll tell you the other thing. On our, uh, Dave and, what Dave and I do, I'll give you guys full credit. I am so happy to give credit to other guys that are writing stuff. I will be happy to do it. But I'm not lying to you guys. <laughs> now I'm like, what the fuck did he do? Was he stealing? Are you guys saying he was stealing dough? Here's what we went public. All right, let me hear it. This is what Marvin went public. All right, let me hear it. He believed he was told that Mike D sold large ticket items like signage at Peco Park at a lower than market value price while claiming kickbacks, benefits, golf. Oh, wow, that's badass. <laughs> no there shit. Was some other stuff related to that other stuff, the other thing related financially. Um, okay. So that's what we heard. There, what, uh, what we heard was, and again, you can't always confirm it. There were major concerns to the amount of. Personal assistance that came in the door and went out the door. Right here, uh, Chad can see this. I have photos of all of his personal assistants. We pulled all of the data on that. 
and, and this is public. This was publicly published by the Padres. We pulled this off Padres.com. Okay. Archives. Like you go back and see certain dates. Was <laughs> I trying to break yeah. everything? You, you can actually see, like, uh, you can go back to let's say August 2013, right? Yeah. And it'll have the Padres roster that they yes. have. Yes. Staff. Yeah. So we went through every one of those. That's fantastic. And found his assistants. Mike D had one, two, three, four, five, and about to hire his sixth uh, assistant. Um, he inherited Tom Garfinkel's assistant, who's an older lady, okay, who left and now took to work for Tom Garfinkel in Miami. Okay. I'm not even counting her. No. He then blew through four other assistants, all female, all young. Um, wow. Average tenure, 8.75 months. Wow. Uh, in a comparison, the other executives who had executive assistants, Eric Gruppner, yeah. the CFO, sure. Rhonda something, um, had the same assistant the whole time. Yeah. So if you want to look comparatively, it was only Mike D that turned through young female assistants. So bring I'm that- not going to imply anything here, but these are statements of fact. Nobody is implying it, but here's where you come back to the Union Tribune or Channel 10 or anybody else, especially right now with the culture in news. That looks at that. I don't. I don't think it's bad to say. Wait a minute. Why? Where are these women? Do they have a story to tell? If they don't have a story to tell, then my belief is leave the women alone. Leave the women alone. Correct. Correct. Because we don't need to do a witch hunt for either one. But going back to what we talked about with the Union Tribune. Yeah, that's where you go. I, I kind of wonder why they didn't do what you, and, what, what you know. This would be the, if this was Boston. This oh yeah, the lead story. No, no, the Herald would have ran this. Well, and he's the, he's the head of sports radio for Intercom, which is one of the latest. Yeah, media conglomerates, which overruns right now, uh, ninety four nine. And runs Kixie and KSON and 98.1 and 103.7. He's the head of sports programming na- nationally, but they run EEI and others. And billions of dollars of contracts with sports teams. Also. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it you can't be scared, man. And these guys are too scared. Like you talk about Absolutely. All the time. I've said forever. Yep. Yeah. And he was he was gone. It, it goes back to what we said, uh, Junior and Marshall Falk. Right now, you don't see anything on Marshall Falk, right? We'll run bullshit stories all day about the arena, like we saw today. But where's the Marshall Falk story? Well, now, one way or the other. Well, let me give you another. Yeah, sign guy. Let me give you another one. I just drove here. Kaplan had a just a random great friend sports network person. He devoted two minutes to playing his rap song. I can't take it. <laughs> I can't take Drive it. Drive time radio. Yeah. I love Kaplan. I can't take it. Um, Tayshawn Cherry, to me, is a very interesting story. He was around the corner from me for nine years. I didn't even know my neighbor was the number one player in San Diego. If you guys aren't familiar, he was at St. Augie last year. He was strongly recruited by Tony Bland. Tony Bland brought him to USC. Tony Bland is the guy, obviously, arrested by the FBI. Tayshon has yet to sign his letter of intent to go to USC, to the best of my knowledge. He also has transferred to Foothills Christian. That, to me, is where you go, wait a minute. If I'm the Union Tribune and I'm worth anything, where is Jay Posner? I would like to know, as somebody that likes his father a lot, and likes the kid, I would like to know that Tayshawn's clean. That's what I would like to know. I would like to hear 
because when you look at the story and it talks about a 17 year old incoming freshman and there's money exchanged that concerns me right it could have been anybody from that class but when he's the first five-star recruit for Andy Enfield at USC red flags go up I would like to know as a consumer with a little bit of a biased opinion that Tayshawn's clean. They have not written a word on that story. So why did they sit on it? It's the same reason they sat on the Mike D story. It's the same reason why they sit on any story. Because they don't they don't have Jay Posner and the Union Tribune sports section do not have a connection with this city. They just don't. They don't have a connection with the city and as far as the consumers go. And that's why they're dying. Uh, going back to what we said about Lynn, the, the, the job of the beat reporter has changed so much in the time that I've been in the media. I could just go in and do a radio show and I'm done. Dennis Lynn has to write for social media. He then has to write for the website. He then has to write for the paper. He probably has to appear on MLB tonight. The time that goes into being a beat writer, by the way, they have to book all their own travel. We may look at that and go, it's no big deal. Tom Krasovic has said a thousand times, the toughest part of that job is when you're looking at deadline going, shit, i got to catch a cab and try to get out. Cabs don't come out to Shea Stadium. But when I look at what's going on with the paper, I love what Dennis Lynn is doing, and that's and Jeff Sanders to a certain extent, and that's where it ends. That's really, I love Bryce Miller. I think Bryce Miller, that story that they wrote about the horses, incredibly difficult to read, but who else on that paper do you look at and you go, shit, I want to get up tomorrow and read what they got to write? Nobody. Jeff Sanders is fine. That is fine. My thing with that is, they literally publish uh, press releases and just word it, reword it. They might, they yeah. It original, they're the paper of record. Like, they're supposed to be journalists. Yeah, they're true. Not, they're not a wing of the Padres PR or they're not AJ Cassidy or the Padres True. You know, spouting the company line. <laughs> yeah, and true. So when I see things like Jeff Sanders publishing a press release, essentially, for, for like the holiday, you know, like the Christmas thing. Yeah. I get it. I guess it's newsworthy, maybe. But you're just publishing their marketing copy. Yeah. So they're publishing it for free. Yeah. Why do I, as a consumer, now trust their reporting to be, and no, me knowing yeah. that they sat on the D story and things like that? It erodes my trust in them as, a, as a, an authority. It's a great point because I know radio wise, we would do those stories, but we would do it thinking. Is this interesting to the fan that's out there? And look, I... You were very openly a marketing partner of the Padres. I mean, the 1090 is the flagship of the Padres. Sure. I get that. Yeah. The newspaper is different. But you know, the the sad thing is, my sister and brother-in-law are season ticket holders. They've been season ticket holders for 10 years. Their seats are down the third baseline. We went to dinner two weeks ago. They had no idea that a new video board is coming into right field. Because we begged Mike D. I said, what are you doing? When I sit down the left field line, I can't see anything. You have a huge opening in right field. Put a board in. Well, now they're doing that. Now, have you seen any designs? I mean, if you, it's like no, you no said. Renderings. There's one thing we do. <laughs> right? We love renderings in this town. If you're going to do anything, show me the press release saying, hey, here's what the board's going to look like. My brother and sister-in-law, 10-year season ticket holders, had no idea who Shohei Itani was. No idea. When the pods were still in it. I think the problem is, going back to what we started with, I think, unfortunately, as a fan base, 
there is a small part of the pie that are really hardcore. And I think, unfortunately, which Partello and, and the rest of those guys may know, there's a bigger part that say, this is the coolest place to have a craft beer and brigantine fish tacos in San Diego. And, oh, by the way, there's a pickup baseball game going on to your left. I, I always joke that what you're buying a ticket for is a ticket to a luxury food course. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But, Baseball is just a background. It's a music. Yeah. You're basically but, buying a ticket to the food. Now, I, w- I will say, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I will say this in, in defense of Pete Seidler. Picking up the blood drive is a no-brainer, but they do it. Putting in the video board is, again, a go, okay, they are working to improve the fan experience. Little things that I appreciate as a fan that you, when you go around, I was up at StubHub for a Charger game. When you come out on the concourse and Anthony's or Seaside Market and they've allowed these Phil's Barbecue to bring their logos in so it kind of pops, you go, this is really cool. It looks great on the concourse. However, it should look great on the field first and then look great on the concourse. I feel like we're too concerned with looking great on the concourse and not worrying enough about the product on the field. Hopefully that changes moving forward. So I, I don't want to take more of your time. You I'm good. Home, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask is you, you lived in North County for a long time. Yep. I grew up here as a child. My dad, you know, after work, we'd go down on a weeknight. We'd watch the podcast yeah. at Qualcomm or Jack Rugby Stadium. But to me, that's nearly an impossibility. Like you, drive, you drive home going that direction. Yeah. Way, it's impossible. Um, I'm pretty sure you lived here when there was a Padre store. Uh, oh, yeah. Right next to Barnes & Noble. Right. They'd bring, like, you know, Steve Finley with the Red yep. Santa Fe. So I remember he drove his accurate intersection on the left Yeah. And signed some autographs. And that's like a little outfit that they yeah. had for North County. And they had one in Escondido at North yeah. County Fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the team closed those. They had one in Tijuana for, for right. some reason. But ignore North County. Ignore yeah. North yeah. To the point where... I almost feel like Anaheim is a bigger draw. Yeah. Like I, I, I could drive there faster on a weeknight. Take the train from, from Oceanside. How how did the Padres market to up here? I mean, the money, if we're being honest, the money is in North Oh, Florida. always. Uh, Little League Baseball, NCS Little League is in yeah. Little League World Series yeah. somewhat regularly. Yeah. So how did they bring us up Yeah. I, I think, I, again, I think Larry had a vibe for what was going on up here. I'm not sure the current management does. I mean, Mike lived, he lived here. He's yeah. Yeah. Well, he's awful at a lot of things. Yeah, he's awful at a lot of things. Uh, to me, the the cost of running that store, it's funny, because I'm in that Barnes & Noble working up here now, but I'm back in that Barnes & Noble all the time, and I think about it all the time. There, there had been a UPS store in the Anthony, it's, and the UPS store just moved across the street. Now that little spot sits vacant. Is that what went in? But now, okay, hang on. Then we'll get back on track. Isn't the sandwich spot one spot over to the right? They took both spots. There was a Quiznos. Okay. It's combined into a delicious sandwich. They're good. Very good. Okay. It's worth your drive from here. Yeah. Okay. So. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because the Padre team store would have been cool. They need, I guess my biggest frustration with them right now is they did not grab San Diego by the throat and say, we are going to establish ourselves as a baseball town starting now. Those stores, what can they run? 
where can the rent be in that place? They're a billion dollar corporation. Exactly! What's the rent? A thousand bucks a month? They'll sell some beer there. If they lose money on it, it's fine. They lose yeah. a lot of money. And they... Yeah, they, they just could sign Jordan Lyles for seven hundred. <laughs> yeah, right. And they could put a put a Ticketmaster or whatever. When I was a kid, we had a sporting goods store in Encinitas where I worked. No, I'm going way back. Right where the New Vons is on Santa Fe, on Santa Fe next to the Thrifty. High five. High five. We worked there, and we had a thing called Teleseat, which was owned by the Padres and owned by Joan Crock. And it was great because anybody in Cardiff or Antonius could come in and I had the full run of Padre seats. So whatever you wanted, just like when you would go to Macy's, we would just throw out the seating chart and where do you want to sit? I want to sit in Plaza 27. Done. It was like $1.25 for a service fee for the tickets and you had everything. They could do the same thing here. I just, they think small. We think small in this town. Nobody thinks big. Nobody says Let's put this in. Let's do this. Let's go run it here. Let's bring Orsillo and Mud up here for a day. People would come out. The players live. Team Shields lived in Rancher. A bunch of them live in Rancher Santa. Yeah, Matt Kemp. Right. How hard can it be to bring them out for you know, tip your cap, sign some autographs, head out? Like, yeah. As a child, obviously, I remember that Steve Finley meeting. Yeah. Right. That, yes. That's. Those are the kinds of things that lock your kids in to fans forever. You yeah. bring your kids and, and uh, Will Myers doesn't have a great personality, but if they met Will Myers, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's something they're going to remember forever. It's funny. We went to when they did Christmas at Petco Park, and you guys are going to die laughing. It's true. My two sons, who were probably eight at the time, they sat around and wrestled and played with Carlos Quinton. And Quinton was uh, unbelievable how great he was. And hung out with him and... and Laughed and wrestled with him, and it was a nice little guy going. My kids loved him. He's out of baseball, but they uh, they thought he was great. And humanizing them like that, yes, is big because most big. people don't like Carlos. Quinn. Yeah, they thought he was cold. They thought he was because uh, he hated the media. Right, broke Granky's policy. Yeah, actually, that's probably Yeah, he just look. They got, and I hope the problem is too. Bill comes as much as I love Bill Johnston. He comes from the Spanos family, who who could not do anything more wrong if they tried. Right, they they. All they had to do in this town was go to the 63 Powder Blues, and this town would have loved them, and they did. They avoided it at all stops. That's a guy that spent 30 years working in that organization. What is he going to bring? Maybe a fresh start will be great. We'll find out. He did tell us we just need to take a chill. Oh, yeah. While we were on the air at 1090. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've had plenty of run, run around the block with him, but... But we'll see. I mean, the Chargers completely hosed him, so maybe he's re-motivated. But I don't know. I don't know why they why they feel like they do. I don't know why last year. See, to me, we talked about it last night on our on our podcast. I'm not quite sure why they're running away from Adrian, because when I look at it, it's in my opinion, Adrian is not the Mike Piazza, Vinny Castilla signings of years past where you said these guys are going to come here and we have no idea what we're going to do next year. You have Naylor in the system coming up that you love. You have Tatis coming up and Urias and Quantrill and everybody else. But if we need somebody to just kind of bridge the gap for a year and Adrian wants to come here and you're paying him 500000 assuming he can lift his arm and he, you reconnect with the Tijuana fan base and he does those kind of things and maybe you grease the skids for him to be Mark Loretta and Trevor and a guy in your community that actually is bilingual and you don't have to commit to a $200 million contract like the rumors are for Hosmer 
I, I don't know why you run from them. That's why I look at this team and I go, God damn, I want to believe that you get it, and I can't believe that you get it because little things like that where you go, we're just going to bring him home. We're going to bring him home, and if he sucks, then he makes less money than Trevor Cahill made last year, right? Or Shaquin made, or Clayton Richard made. Jared Weaver, exactly. All these goofy Bentoncourt. I'll give you 50 guys that made more money than what we're giving Adrian. But he can be that guy. When we dealt with Adrian, he was fine. He was fine with the media. I never heard one complaint from Bud Black on the record, off the record, about how he was in the in the room. And they're in the UT today going, no, 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 no. And no. Yeah, I would not. But see, I wouldn't bring PV in here. PV's the opposite of what I would think with Adrian. I don't know why you would bring PV in here, because I think PV's the last guy you want in that room. You love PV, but I don't know as you're looking at it. You think a lot of people like Adrian, and I don't think Adrian's very popular. Why is that? Why do you guys think that is? Uh, we don't think he tried. Uh, he seemed lazy when he was here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's kind I'm of not saying he was lazy. Yeah. But he got that reputation from a lot of people, I think. But who, but who gave him that reputation? Where did that reputation come from? I don't know. Is this a Twitter thing? I think... I mean, I've been even preaching. I listen to my parents complain how, like, he's in, like, the... The latest in the long list of like people trying to get out of San Diego, having a big career somewhere else. I don't. Th- let me. But all he wanted was to be paid fairly, so I don't even hold that against him. Sure. But let me go I behind the. PV is a lot more popular in this town. Than yeah, but PV is nothing. PV's got. You guys have more Did better stuff. No, I understand. But I will say this. If you go behind the curtain, what we got from Adrian dealing with him on a regular basis was he wanted this team to be competitive. He also understood, going back to what we said, where fans don't even know about Otani and we just love it for the bar. Adrian was smart enough to know that management had money that they weren't spending. And he said, we can go out and improve this product. Nobody's saying you have to bring in... Uh, John Carlos Stanton, but we can do a little better than what we're doing. To me, the first guy that I would move off that roster tonight is Will Myers. Yes, you said he was a puss I can't stand guys. I can't stand guys that don't have a killer instinct. I can't stand guys that don't go out because my media time covering this team, I was raised on Ken Caminetti. I cut my teeth covering Ken Caminetti. Now, look, you can say whatever you want about Caminetti. But Bochi to this day is one of my better friends, and if I see him, I say, tell me the Caminetti stories. Then he would say, I would drink Caminetti into the room and say, look, you have to be honest with me and tell me when you're hurt you can't go. And Caminetti would say, yeah, okay, great. And Bochi said, great, you're off tonight. No, I can go. And I just appreciate a guy that, that played hard. In my opinion, again, Myers will be a guy that 20 years from now will look back and go, did I do everything I could to win? And that's why I look at it and go, we're, we're shoving guys away that actually may be... Com- Look, Adrian's not going to be a difference. If he does. If he goes to the Mets, he goes to the Mets. But for me, I would say, find guys like Yelich or maybe Hosmer. But when you see that, that they're playing for Hosmer and they're talking about Yelich, I read between the lines and go, well, there's going to be nowhere for Myers, but you can't flip Myers unless you have an option at first and option and left. But I, I can't stand guys that mail it in, and there's nobody, in my opinion, that mails it in more than Myers. 
absolutely I caught him. Battle, but I'll give you specific examples. Um, do you remember when Andy Green benched Solarte for not running out of yeah. uh, uh, fly ball or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did that more than once last year. To the point that to the point that the media, the soft media, actually asked Andy Green about it afterwards. Yeah. Andy Green dodged the question with you. Yeah. No. Uh, Myers didn't get benched. That's no. Hard. They didn't even pull him out of the game. Myers pulled, I mean, uh, Green pulled other players out of the game immediately. Yeah. Hustle didn't run it out. They caught him. Yeah. And no one's willing to ask the question of the team or of Green or whatever. I can't That's stand it. You know, your wife's a lawyer. Yeah. One thing you learn. Is in cross examination, don't ask someone a question that they can easily avoid. Yeah, correct. You word it so that you get the answer. That correct. No. That's something I never see out of local media. No. They leave it wide open so that they can. Talk about Will Myers. Why is Will Myers allowed to continue to make mental mistakes and no, without any consequence? You bench Solarte for this. Why yeah. did you keep him in the game? What is the consequence for your players, especially a guy who's supposed to be a leader, when you look at the salary breakdown of guys who are here, why is he not held to the same level that you're holding a guy like Solarte? Direct questions that can't be avoided. Yeah. You at least get something resembling that direct answer. Yeah. So I just feel like we never get those answers, and that doesn't just let Andy Green off the hook, that lets the buyers off the hook. Yeah. It's just this ripple effect. Yeah, I can't stand it. I, I think when you look back at guys that have worn that uniform, we don't have a great history. We understand that, okay? It goes back to how we started. But still, there have been plenty of guys that have worn that uniform. Garvey, Gwynn, Hoffman, Kevin Brown in his one year here would not have pulled up with Will Myers. He would have throttled Will Myers. Caminetti would have throttled Will Myers. Hoffman would have throttled him. So who is that guy? They all look at Ren Hunter Renfro. Well, and for, for, for how much we don't like James Shields, he was the guy. said that he was the guy. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He told him. Oh yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes, you guys are right. Yeah, play tough. Yeah, I would move Myers. I would move Myers because you believed in him. It's what we touched on last night. You believed in him enough that you. I mean, the Trey Turner deal. Unfortunately, we're going to live down forever. There've been plenty. If you go back, uh, to me, the worst trade that ever happened, and uh, for me was the day you traded Joe Carter and you got Fred McGriff. That was fine. But then the idea that Joe McElvain goes to Gord Ash and says, hey, what do you want for Tony Fernandez? And Gord Ash says, I was joking. And I said, Roberto Alomar. And Joe McElvain said, you got it. People always think that was a two-for-two two trade. That was two separate one-for-one one trades that happened on the same conversation. So you, you traded Alomar straight up for Tony Fernandez. That's the one. Sorry to wreck. <laughs> you may want another beer. But, but you, you had a deal agreed to, which was Joe Carter from McGriff. We were on the air the next day. And I've said over and over, when Shields came here and the Matt Kemp trade came here, I was fine with all of it. But when we were on the air at 1360, I said, I don't like trading. I like Joe Ross, number one. But I said, I really don't like trading Trey Turner right now for Myers. I don't like this trade. I can't embrace this trade. We've seen it. The only thing we hope for right now is that the return we get on Tatis offsets the return the Nationals get on Turner to a, to a certain extent. Then you hope that Myers, maybe it's a two-for-one because Rick Hahn and the White Sox are going to get nothing from James Shields to offset Fernando Tatis. 
we're used to that. I mean, when you look at what you got for, I mean, you traded, you got Lamar Hoyt. Oh, God, right? Yeah, Ozzy Ginn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? And that's the Padres on those different ones where you go, God dang. Well, I uh, uh, Kevin Mitchell for. Oh, I true story on that. I, I've said this story a million times. Mud knows it. I tell him all the time. I had just turned 21. I'm at San Diego State. I lived right here in Encinitas. My buddy takes me to a San Diego State party. There's nothing but college chicks there. We're drinking beers out of a red solo cup, and I look up and CNN was doing sports that night. And all of a sudden, I look, and over the guy's shoulder is Kevin Mitchell in a Giants hat. And I go, look at these morons. They can't even figure out where he plays. And they showed that Mitchell and Dravecki and I think Lefferts went in that deal. And we got Mark Davis. We got Keith Comstock, Chris Brown, and that Ragar Mud. And I've said to Mud every time, I said, I put the red solo cup down, and I went back to Antonius. It ruined my night. The only guy I love that story more than Mud is Kevin Mitchell. But I also think we'll never live down Anthony Rizzo for, for Andrew Kashner. There's a lot that we're about that. We're, we're used to that. Yeah, and but and you could have gotten Chipper Jones for Fred McGriff. It, it, it wasn't widely known that that you had to dump players. Yeah, Randy didn't do bad. Well, there, there was like other players that were actually good. But John Sherholtz at that time knew what he had on Randy Smith. Randy, to his credit, moved Hurst and Greg Harris and got Ashby, Bockler, and Brad Osmus. Moves Sheffield, he gets Trevor Hoffman. John Sherholtz was like, bullshit. You're taking Melvin Nieves and you're taking Donnie Moore and you're taking Klesko and I'm taking the Griff kid. So Rand Oh, no, we didn't get Klesko. We got Nieves, we got Donnie Moore. Vince Faison? No, he was later. Was he a draft pick? He was a draft pick that could run, but couldn't yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But but at least in Randy's defense, whoever made those trades in Colorado helped him out. Whoever made the trade in Florida helped him out and gave him Trevor. John Sherholtz was like, screw you. I'm get, I'm taking McGriff, and I'm giving you Donnie Moore and Melanie Evans. Who else did we get in that trade? I can't think of who else came in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried about it, but it is. No, but isn't it crazy that you can go around the infield and look at trades that have been made at every position and go, we literally can go every position at the infield and go, we have one guy that we screwed up, and what about last week? You hated Chase Headley, so you moved him, and you felt good about getting Solarte back, who was cheaper and a better player, and then you go and trade to get Chase Headley back, and now you're ready to flip Solarte. Do you think the team thought we'd like that? Like, it'd be like, oh, let's throw a parade. Welcome well, I put on Twitter the picture of Mel Brooks from uh, uh, High Anxiety where he's falling because I said, that's our hopes right now. Where two days ago we thought Otani was going to be our opening day pitcher. Now we realize it's going to be Brian Mitchell. We feel like we're just constantly falling down the rabbit hole. They're selling Brian. Brian Mitchell better throw his ass off when he get here. 
we talked about this earlier today. It's, no, he's not a prospect. No. He's young. He's not good. Yeah. Uh, he's a reliever. Yeah. Um, he's never been highly regarded. He no. He drafted highly. Yeah. So every time I hear someone be like, well, you know, Drew Pomerantz, and that worked out. Jesus. Pomerantz was a, like the fourth overall pick in the draft. Yeah. It was like the 30th prospect of the year. Yeah. Which means, like, you've been around the game. That means sure. 100 scouts' eyes. Like, yeah. Like, at some point, yeah. like, that guy is a player. Yeah. And it just took time and the right coaching. But we, yeah. You can't turn any, anyone into Drew Pomerantz. No. No, I don't know. I, I do like Preller and I like Welke and Logan and all those guys. So I look at it and go, okay, well, let's figure it out. And I maybe they're confident that they can still flip Headley. But I think the other thing that we do as a fan base is we're, we're expecting this crazy return for Spangenberg and Salarte. These guys are all journeymen. Headley's a journeyman. They, yeah, I think we got... Like people were lining up to get him because if they were, they would have got a yeah. trade than Jabari Glass, who of course I love. But, yeah, but, but would you guys agree, triple-A player? Triple-A yeah. player. Yes. Yeah, and as you look ahead to the future, we have a guy that's a landscape company that sponsors our podcast. We can, we can, we can, we can. Talk about Ryan Barkley. Ryan Barkley at Barkley Landscaping. And I was telling him the other day, I said, I feel like the Padres are when you came to my front yard in Cardiff, which was all dirt, and you cultivate that dirt and you throw uh, 55 pounds of grass seed down and topsoil, and we water morning and night. And all of a sudden, if the grass starts coming up, which I feel like we're getting with Quantrill and Lucchesi and Tatis and, and Urias. And all of a sudden, right now, it feels like Fowler and Seidler and Preller are like, forget it, tear it out, let's put white designer rocks in there. Where it, I mentioned it last night. I feel like for the first time as a fan base, we're telling ownership, be patient, where for 30 years, the ownership is telling us, be patient. I don't want to see Hosmer here. I, I like Hosmer as a player, but I'd like him more if you were doing it in three years. Well, this is the last thing. Sure. I talked about this with Harvard today. Last year, you would hear people be like, you know what? The team totally sucks, but at least they got a plan, right? Yes, it's forever. I started following them in 82. I agree completely. We broke it down year by year. I argue that this is a new plan that they're undertaking. Yeah. Getting Osmer, getting uh, you know, one-year players to compete for 500, which is what Rob Fowler said. Yeah. That's a new plan, right? Yeah. We all bought into the plan last year. Yeah. Defended the plan. White knighted for the plan. Yeah. It's changing again. Yeah. This is not the same plan as last year. No. Like Galvez, I look at and I go, okay, De Los Santos is your eighth-ranked pitcher. He's your 13th prospect. That's why you get all these arms so you can flip him. And when AJ said the other day, he goes, look, Galvis may be here longer on. It, it buys you a little bit of a cushion. Understood. But I just waited a year and signed him. Probably. But but who's your shortstop? Was it you guys that wrote that we could have got uh, 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 the uh, mind blanket? The, the I wanted Kozak. If I was going okay. to someone, I would have got Cozart. But I'm fine with just playing Solar. But would you have done Cozart for... Would you have done... But who would you have put it short? I don't care. Stick well Myers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> team's going to suck. To me, I didn't have any problem with the Galvez trade because to me, I look at it and I go, okay, defensively, he's fine. And he may buy you a cushion if you need him. Or if he hits, maybe you flip him. Let's see what happens. De Los Santos, like I said, he's your eighth arm. Let me know when we go to an eight-man rotation. And uh, and off we go. In but, a perfect world for me, they would just stick whatever. Whatever scrubs in AAA. Some miserable play. Padre fan wrote, we can get Escobar for 50 cents and not have to give anybody up. And I respect that. 
keep I, all I, the I'm arms. I'm here to save Von Teller money. Like, no. I want him to spend some money. So, uh, but would you trade, money. was it you guys that wrote today what the cost would be to get Yelich? How high would you go to get Yelich? Uh, I didn't write about it, but... Um, yeah, well, hang on. The, what I would trade Margot. I'd be on board with that proposal that I heard. I don't know. Would you put what I saw today is that you're going to have to go two of the four, which would be Gore, Quantrill, Urias, and Tatis. Oh, well, I would trade Quantrill. I think Contro and Urias. I think you're higher on Contro I saw him pitch a few times last year. Yeah. I wasn't impressed. You like him? Lauer, I'd, I'd give Lauer in a second. He's way too long 2.0. I love personally. But. I like my boy Chris Paddock coming back if he yeah, can come back. Not, yeah. And now you got you got and guys like we forget about like Colin Ray coming back and just different guys where you go they're just arms that are okay that can round it out. This is what you're supposed to do: throw those against the wall and see what sticks. But I I hope we would all agree, it's so much fun for a fan to finally be in a spot where we can debate whether or not a guy like Quandro is a legit prospect, whether a guy like Urias is a legit prospect. Because when we were doing this with Alan Dykstra, we're like, listen, I'm calling you a cab and I'm calling you a cab. It's goddamn ridiculous. But when we can have this conversation about De Los Santos, that to me, whether we like it or we don't like it, I will say as a fan, I was always pushing for Billy Epler to come here. I wanted Billy Epler to come here. I felt like he was San Diego. He'd been a season ticket holder. He knew it. He, he got his seat through the Yankees, and I liked him. I just liked him from everybody we dealt with, and, and I'm thrilled for his success with Anaheim. But, but I will just say this, guys. Win or lose, it is different today than it was five years ago, where all of a sudden now we have guys in that farm system that we're debating is he the right guy to move or is he the wrong guy to move? When we did this with Dustin Hermanson or Glenn Dishman or any of these other jackasses that came through, uh, it was stupid. But now that it's fun, we're like, you're nuts. Taylor Santos sucks. No, he's going to be great. I just feel like finally we're starting to sound. We can't figure out the colors we want. But finally we feel like, again, for now there's a baseball plan. Whether or not that plan changes tomorrow, who the hell knows? Well, Jeff, we took enough of your time. How long do we go? About an hour and ten. Is that right? Yeah. Now i got to go do a podcast with Dave. <laughs> uh, I wanted to thank you for joining us. I love you guys, uh, man. Thanks for having me. Find your show on David Jeff. Dave and Jeff Show.com. Dave and Jeff Show.com is where it is. Uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you to everybody. And a huge thank you to you guys. And here's why. Outside of what I do on the podcast, I'm a Padres fan. I love opinion. I love controversy. I love smart-ass opinions. We need it. We need to find more voices like you guys. <laughs> My boy Sam Bass got blown. You ever seen? hours of podcasts. You ever seen Susan DeVincent? What? on the radio. Dude, Google Susan DeVincent. You know, I'll look for my public apology online tomorrow. But, uh, no, I just feel like as a fan base, and here's the other thing. Would you guys agree? As years move forward, we're going to get more people on this bandwagon that act like they've been fans for 30 years. Yeah. Just embrace them. Just take them. We know as a core that they weren't here with Timmy Lawler and Archie Centraco. Screw it. Let's just build the, the Padres fan base. We'll all know the secret. Embrace them, even if they got a brand new clean hat. With a red and white SD logo, where you go, we're not the Nationals. Yeah. But just embrace them and let's look forward to a good year. Yeah.
I am going to say that you likely sold me my first album at the warehouse. Oh, yeah. Were, depending on what era, it sounds like it was the era I would have bought my first album. Yeah, probably. So that's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember the adult section with the Betamaxes and the VHSs at the warehouse. It was right on the... See, was it on the left when you walk up the ramp, or was it on the right wall? Well, it was the counter was on the right as you walk you up the ramp. If you think about the returns, yes, it was direct. It was behind the returns and right back there. And my favorite move was, and we've said this, is when the father would come in and he would have Back to the Future, and then he would have On Gold and Blonde, and then he'd have Old Yeller. I would say to you guys, hopefully two or three registers over. Look at our girl Barbara Dare, and I would hold up the movie. I would say to that guy, "Did she do this in the movie?" And I would watch him die a slow death in front of me, and it was great. Ah, how is Christy Canyon in this one? Christy Canyon, and now uh, uh, just to promote, we don't even have a Dave and Jeff Christmas party planned for 2018. But when it gets planned, my date will be porn star Hall of Famer Lisa Ann. Very excited. I've been married for 11 years. I haven't figured out how I'm telling my wife, but screw it, she'll find out the. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. That's awesome. Thank awesome. you very Thank much. You.